0: Hi there, I'm Jen Hale-Christie and you're listening to Preach Her. This podcast is designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. Welcome. Welcome. Listening to season one, episode six, and our title today is Welcome to My House. I recently heard from a friend and podcast listener who shared the following response to episode one. To be honest, I would put myself in the category of Christ follower who is having a hard time knowing how and where to follow him. It's been a startling experience to find more community, accountability, fellowship, and even spiritual revelation at our CrossFit gym than at our church. I don't blame the church we go to. It's a fine church. I just don't connect or fit or something. I am sure it is my fault. First of all, my friend, it is not your fault. And second, what you describe is actually an increasingly common experience these days. When people are finding a greater sense of belonging and accountability and community at the gym than they find at the church, there's a problem. It's not a problem with the gym or the coffee shop or the social club. They're all doing fantastic things. The problem is the church has lost its way. Too often, in our focus on a spectacular worship experience, we've failed to create a place where real community is fostered. Too often, in our focus on preserving an image of righteousness, we've failed to create a place where confession and accountability are encouraged. Too often, in our attempt to avoid losing people, we've ironically failed to create a place where everyone can belong. So Brock, thank you for reaching out, and for the rest of you, keep the notes coming. I love hearing from you. Last week, we saw Jesus offering three rebukes in the Gospel of Luke. There was a demon, a fever, and a storm that were all on the receiving end. And we talked about how Jesus rebukes the things that are tormenting us— causing our suffering or filling us with fear. Jesus has already done the hardest part, and now it's our turn to respond in faith. Our text for today is Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment, She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him over saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, "'Simon, I have something to say to you.' "'Teacher,' he replied, "'Speak.' "'A certain creditor had two debtors. "'One owed him five hundred denarii, "'and the other fifty. "'When they could not pay, "'he canceled the debts for both of them. "'Now which of them will love him more?' "'Simon answered, "'I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt.' "'And Jesus said to him, "'You have judged rightly.' Hence she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. For those of us familiar with Jesus' stories— it can be hard to keep them all straight. There's a lot of overlap between the different gospel accounts, and sometimes we subconsciously read details in that aren't actually there. This story shares some similarities to one that's found in Matthew, Mark, and John, but it's not the same story. This one is unique to Luke. So in the other three gospels, we find a woman anointing Jesus' head with oil. There is an objection because of the extravagant cost of the oil, and Jesus' rebuke and response about the poor, and the idea that Jesus was being anointed for his burial, foreshadowing his death that was coming up. But that's not this story. In this particular story, we're in the home of a Pharisee named Simon, with a woman who is specifically identified as a sinner. She doesn't only anoint Jesus, she actually weeps over his feet and then dries them with her hair and kisses them. Her behavior is both intimate and socially inappropriate. And whatever side conversations are happening between Simon and his Pharisee buddies, they're sharply interrupted as they start to nudge and pat one another, stopping mid-sentence to gawk at this inappropriate display of affection and emotion. They've heard some rumors about this Jesus guy being a little radical, a little unconventional. But they cannot believe their eyes. This guy, who's regarded as a prophet and a rabbi, he's here reclining at the same table as us and blatantly violating social norms and purity codes. He's not supposed to let this unclean woman touch him. And here he is letting her touch and kiss him, even uncovering her head and letting her hair down. This... This is an abomination. But before they speak a word, Jesus reads it in their hearts and sees it on their faces. While all eyes are fixed on him, Jesus turns his gaze to his host, Simon, the guy who invited him over for dinner, the guy who should be showing hospitality to Jesus, but isn't, the guy who's upset about purity rules and is, ironically, currently violating the hospitality rules. Now, for you and me, when someone comes over for dinner, we might take their coat, we might offer them a before-dinner drink, and if we're really feeling fancy, we might pull out their chair for them at the table. As the host, Simon should have shown proper honor to Jesus by anointing his head with oil and providing a means for him to wash his feet. He should have greeted him with a kiss. He does none of these things. But he's not just being a bad host. His refusal to show this proper hospitality to Jesus actually indicates that he's not accepting Jesus as a prophet. Simon is an insider who can't stand the way that Jesus is. He can't stand it that Jesus presumes to forgive people's sins and violate cultural and religious norms. He can't stand it that Jesus is saying the outsiders are actually the insiders. Simon has a pretty clear idea of what kinds of prophets and ministers and leaders God chooses and sends, and Jesus does not fit the mold. So Simon invites him over for dinner, maybe as a social courtesy, maybe to see what all the fuss is about, maybe to see if he'll do a party trick. He invites him over, but he isn't very welcoming. And when some outsider shows up and plays host, Simon is beside himself. And Jesus' response, as usual, is brilliant. In a parable that's spoken in less than one minute, he gets right down to it. Who will be more grateful, more loving, the one whose small debt is forgiven or the one with the bigger debt? And I wonder if Simon realizes that he is putting himself on the hook with his answer. I love that Jesus next asks Simon, do you see this woman? I mean, there's so many ways that we can take that. Of course, Simon sees her. She's right there. I think Jesus is asking Simon if he really sees her. Do you really see who she is? She's not a label. She's a person, just like you are. A fully human person, just like you are. A divine image bearer, just like you are. Do you see this woman? Do you see what she's been through, what she has endured? Every day, she gets the stink eye from you and your friends. Every day, she's reminded that you and your friends consider her less than. Every day, she hears the message loud and clear. She is not welcome, wanted, valued, or included here. Do you see this woman? Do you even see how she's showing me the hospitality that you were supposed to show? Where you failed to greet and welcome me properly, she showed up a hundred and ten percent, and it wasn't even her job to do it. But she didn't wait for it to be her job. She didn't wait for anyone's permission or for someone to tell her to do it. She was so moved by love that she had to act. Do you see this woman? She isn't begrudgingly applying the ointment or half-heartedly washing my feet, wishing she was somewhere else. She came here on purpose. This is what she came here to do, knowing she is on the outside, knowing she's not accepted here. She's here loving and honoring me in the best way she knows how. And you know what? It's enough. It's more than enough. She's doing this in love. She knows that she is loved by me and by our God, and she loves and knows me because she loves and knows God. And you know why she's doing all this? It's certainly not to earn your respect. She knows she'll never have that. She's doing this because she's already been forgiven. You see her as a sinner, but God sees her as a beloved daughter, fully forgiven, Her demonstration of love is a response to the forgiveness she already owns and cherishes. I just announced what was already a reality. She gets it. I wish you guys would too. And just like that, Jesus brings her to the table. He holds her up as fully human, already having received the forgiveness that's available to all. Where Simon and his buddies would rather label her and relegate her to the margins and shadows, Jesus brings her into the light, holding her up as the model for how to receive forgiveness and respond in love. Simon has a choice in this moment. Jesus has just told the parable and then explained it in no uncertain terms. The one who has been forgiven much loves much. That's the woman. The one who has been forgiven little loves little. That's Simon. Will he continue down this path, or will he follow this woman's lead? Will he lean into his identity as God's beloved and choose to act out of love rather than fear? Will he lean into the reality that he is fully forgiven by God and choose to show forgiveness to others rather than judgment? This is the decision for us as well. Will we choose to live in fear in strict, no-matter-what rule-following, in focusing so much on our own righteousness that we can't help but judge others in all their unrighteousness? Will we focus so much on how we think people should and shouldn't live, who should and shouldn't be forgiven, that we create places of inhospitality and exclusion and unwelcome? Or will we instead choose to live in love, Letting love be our rule and guide, focusing so much on gratitude for the forgiveness we receive that we can't help but forgive others? Will we focus so much on who God is and how God is seen most clearly in the person of Jesus that we create places of hospitality and inclusion and welcome? May we be people who create spaces of welcome and community, who demonstrate all kinds of appropriate confession and ask to be held accountable. May we be people who scoot over and invite the woman up to the table. If today you find yourself on the outside, without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you are always welcome in God's community. If you are one who bears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise considered a religious or faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. And if something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you helps to shape the future of this podcast and this community. You can email me at jenhalechristie at gmail.com or connect on Instagram or Facebook at Christie. Thank you to all who have already emailed, texted, and connected through social media. Please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It lets me know that you're part of this community and you find value here, and it helps others to discover it. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.